Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Your reaction will probably be similar to what most people are thinking right about now. Myself, I'm a little stiff, especially in my neck region. I'm working out the kinks in my neck from the whiplash that I experienced this morning. The whiplash that we all experienced this morning. The sudden whiplash of this bombshell news from the PGA Tour. The news being that the PGA is merging with the livers. Incredibly. The Live Tour and the PGA Tour are now one big happy family. They're coming together. All the litigation is going away. They're going to be on the same page. They like each other. They're merging. I'm going to go ahead and let the anonymous PGA player who gave a quote to ESPN this morning speak for all of us. When this anonymous player said, and I quote, no effing way, end of quote. I mean, you've got to be kidding with all this. This is the all-time height of hypocrisy. Just this weekend, these two were still bitter, mortal enemies embroiled in an existential battle for the future of golf. Allegedly. Yet by Tuesday morning, they're all suddenly on the same page. So what happened to both sides? What happened to the liver take that the PGA is an evil monopoly that rips off and overworks its players and is ruining the game of golf? Greg Norman and Hefty and everybody just suddenly changed their minds on all that after ranting and raving and whining and crying for the past two years. And hey, hey, PGA, what happened to the whole we don't want that blood money thing? That whole, we will not be involved in sports watching thing. What about that alleged, supposed, moral high ground? The hell happened to all that? Of course, that's a rhetorical question because we know exactly what happened. Because what happened is pretty obvious. Money happened. Cash happened. The stack of Saudi paper got high enough Then eventually, Jay Monahan and the rest of the PGA Tour leadership just said, the hell with it. Who needs the moral high ground when you're rolling around in endless cash? Who can even see the moral high ground anymore when you're literally swimming in paper? Why not just rename it the sellout tour or the hypocrisy tour? Then they should actually let their players know about this merger. You might get around to that. Maybe you get around to letting your players know about the merger. Because from the sounds of things and the looks of things, it doesn't seem like the PGA players had any idea that this deal was coming. Probably because the PGA players knew or the PGA knew that those players would be pissed when they heard about it. You know, the same players who turned down all that Saudi money because the tour told them it was immoral. Immoral for the players to take that money. Immoral for the players to have all that money. But, but, totally fine for the tour itself to take that money. 
I mean, that's exactly the kind of BS that the Livers were trying to talk about when they talked about how poorly the PGA treats its players. It's almost like the PGA just validated everything that the Livers were saying. But I want to be clear about this, too. I want to be clear about Live Golf for a second. It was a failure. Nobody cared about Live Golf, not even for one second. Nobody watched it on the CW, which is actually where they were airing their meaningless, boring, goofy, irrelevant events. All that money that got shelled out was not earned. They didn't get a return on that investment. They didn't draw enough crowds or enough TV audience or enough social media cloud to justify any of the absurd paydays that the Live Defectors got. It was essentially a big old sham and a way to launder the money and imagine and the image of a regime halfway around the world. And guess what? Guess what? It worked. It worked because the PGA caved. The PGA took the money. It worked because the PGA decided the blood money wasn't so bloody after all. Or maybe just that they don't mind a little blood on their money. Not as much as they thought they would or did. And then at the very end of the day, should we really be surprised by any of this? As shocking as the news is, and that's not a hypocritical statement, it is shocking, but it's not surprising, right? Should we be surprised by any of this? Like, I'm still feeling the whiplash, but now that it's happened, we all should have seen this coming. It was only a matter of time before the blood money won. Today, the blood money won, and the hypocrites won. But at least the drama is over, right? At least we don't have to listen to Hefty and the Shark whine and complain and cry and play victim anymore. At least the best golfers in the world should all be back on tour next year on the sellout tour. What I need right now, though, and I'm waiting on this, I need for somebody to go find Tiger and stick a mic and a camera in his face. I need his reaction. You know, the cat reportedly turned down an offer between 700 and 800 mil because he picked principle over money. He picked the tour over money. He wasn't going to be that guy. I'm guessing this would be the one time he might have something more to say than the course looks good. My swing feels good. I like my chances. I like my chances. I bet that's not what he'd say this time. I bet when somebody finds him and says, hey, yo, Cat, what is your reaction to the merger? I bet he does not say, the course looks good. The golf course looks my good. swing my feels good. I like, good. My chances. I like my chances. Probably more along the lines of, are you effing kidding me? How about the one time the cat takes the, ho- the high road, the moral high ground? How'd that go for you? It cost him 800 mil. The one time he does the right thing. The one time the cat takes the high moral ground and it costs him 800 mil. <laughs> Incredible. You have all these PGA players who turned down all that money. My man right now is probably driving 100 miles an hour right back to Perkins. Like, wh- what does it get you to do the right thing? It cost me 800 mil. Yeah, I'll have a stack of pancakes and four eggs and that waitress. Like, you have all these PGA players who turn down all this money and back the PGA and its moral, ethical stand 
only to have the PGA stab them in the back and merge without telling them, apparently. Like, how does Monaghan explain that to his membership? How does he explain that to all his players that turned down all that blood money by saying that the merger is good for golf? When he'd been saying all along that it was the worst thing ever for golf? By saying that it's good for golf when he was suing Liv? Then again, he probably won't tell them anything because apparently they weren't included in the negotiation and they only found out about the merger like the rest of us on Twitter. And you thought this was a bleep show before. Then you got the Canadian Open, right? Which is starting this week. My man Jim Nance has been pretty critical of the Live Tour, right? Here's what Jay Monahan said to Jim Nance about the Live Tour last year. Check this out. Let me ask about this. There was a story that was first reported uh, in the New York Post yesterday by Brian Wacker about a 9-11 coalition of families and survivors of the 2001 terrorist attacks. Um, 9-11 families united sent a letter to the representatives of Phil, Dustin, Bryson, Reed, and others, quote, expressing their outrage towards the golfers for participating in the new league and accusing them of sports washing and betraying the United States. End quote. And that's gotten a lot of steam over the last 24 hours. That story first reported again in the New York Post. How much did you talk to your players about the possible ramifications if they sign on with the new league? Well, I talked to players. I've talked at a player meeting, and I've and I've talked to a number of players uh, individually uh, for a long period of time. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, uh, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, uh, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? I mean, it is breathtaking. How hypocritical that is. Hey, Jay, are you no longer friends with those families? Maybe not after today. Are you kidding me about that? That's what he said a year ago in response to the competing tour. How much money did they offer you, dude? to come off of that point to where you are right now. How high did that stack get?
Is it a super yacht? Is it a super Airbus? Is it all the above? Now we can just add, well, you don't have to apologize because you can't hear them for all the money that we have in our hands. I can't hear, I can't hear you. There's too much money in my just keep stacking it up, stacking it up, stacking it up, stacking it up. At some point, the answer will be yes. That exchange between Jim Nance and Monahan only a year ago is breathtaking. When you hear and see the news of today. Unbelievable. Hey, Jay, what do you have to say for yourself? How do you explain this? How do you explain this? How do you explain this not only to your members, but to everybody that said, we will not do this. We will not be a party to this. We will not be a part of this. You yourself said, I have two friends, two families that were affected directly by 9-11. This is a great day for the game of, or the sport of golf. It is? Because a year ago, it was like the worst thing ever. What changed? Besides that enormous stack of cash. Unbelievable. What are you going to tell me now? Those families? You know, well, truth is we weren't as close as I made it sound like we were. We were actually just kind of neighbors. and Actually, not even really neighbors. We were acquaintances. Man, we had the same dentist. I read about them in the newspaper. Damn, Jay. Where's Tyke? Where's Rory? I mean, talk about a hill. They were going to die on that hill. Tiger probably did, knowing that he left $800 million on that hill. And then Monaghan makes the deal without consulting them, apparently. And what a party for the defectors. The defectors go over there and they get paid, take some heat, whatever. Play in fewer events, have a little fun. If you're Brooks Kepka, you come back and you still win big. And yet, they can all come back next year. What a bleep show. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year... They automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. We are joined by Jimmy Ward. Jimmy, it's great to have you on. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. What about you? Good, dude. Good. Jimmy, I would imagine, having spent your entire career with the 49ers, I have to think this has been a really different offseason for you. What's it been like, and how has the transition to the Texans been so far? Uh, it's been smooth. Uh, obviously, it's new. You know, I've been with the 49ers uh, nine years of my career, and my first new team, uh, and Right now, I'm loving it. It's, uh, <laughs> obviously, the weather is a little different. It, it actually rains down here, but <laughs> at least I get to sleep good at night. Uh, and just, you know, team team is younger, uh, but I'm here with a, a few familiar faces. So everything is just 
It's going good. Jimmy Ward joining me. I was going to ask you about a few of those things, but let me ask you this. Like, break this down for me. Is it bittersweet to leave San Francisco, or is it all good to get a new opportunity where somebody obviously really needs and wants you? Uh, I, it could, you, you could take it either way, uh, but how I look at it, I look at it as a blessing. Uh, no matter if I was with San Francisco or my new team, Houston, Texas, it's just, I get another opportunity to uh, play a game that I'm very passionate about. And I'm still, it's my 10th year in the NFL, and not many players that can say that they uh, played a, a, a long career like that in this type of uh, how physical this sport is. We're talking to Jimmy Ward. You mentioned there's some familiar faces. Obviously, we're talking about, among other things, your head coach, Demico Ryans. You're being reunited with him. I'm curious, like, you had other options, but how much of a factor was it to have a chance to play for him? How much did that factor into your decision to go there? No, nah, it, was, it was a big factor. Uh, I had other options, but I uh, feel so, like I would have had to learn another defense, which I didn't mind because, like, uh, I could play. Uh, I, I'm not just one type of safety. Obviously, if you followed up on my career, you see me play free, you see me play strong. I can cover. I can hit in the open field. I can play in the box. So it didn't didn't matter the defense, but it did matter uh, just about some of the relationships. And I think me and Miko uh, built a good uh, tight relationship in San Francisco, and so did Corey Unden and Steve as well. And you know, and then uh, Ridgeway, he's here. Kadar, he's here. And then just a few more familiar faces I played against uh, over the time uh, that, that's on the team as well. We're talking to Jimmy Ward, you know, it's a point about how you already know the defense. I get that. In fact, is part of your gig maybe about schooling up the younger dudes and helping them learn D'Amico's defensive system? Is that part of the gig? Yeah, exactly, man. You know, um, when you can get older in, in your career, uh, and you know, you, you become a valuable piece. You know, especially when uh, a new coach comes to a team, especially a younger team, where you can you know help coach up, be kind of be a, like a coach on the field, and you know help guide some of the younger uh, younger guys and kind of show uh, or display or what what the head coach wants, uh, like want you to play and how to play it on the field. All right, so in terms of that, is getting around these younger guys does that rejuvenate you at all? energize you at all oh well i'm energized anytime i hit the grass so <laughs> just being around just being around football just it makes me happy so uh yeah you could say you could say both but uh it's just it's the game that i love to play you know sooner or later uh i don't know maybe one of these days i gotta hang my cleats up but right now it's not it's not today so now i'm having lots of fun hey jimmy i get it like you have gratitude you understand that you understand that you played nine years going on 10 years you know how lucky that you've been to you know play a game you love get paid to play a game you love i understand that you get it let me ask you this your d coordinator matt burke said you look like you're 25 you look like you're 25 you're 10 years in how old do you feel right now how good do you feel uh i feel pretty good uh it's it's amazing uh you know 10 years in like it flies by fast but i feel good uh i'm moving good and i'm still able to do stuff that i did well actually i'm smarter so i don't even got to move as much uh, you know, because you, you, I've seen these route concepts over and over again. You know, that's my 10th year OTA. So, you know, it's, it seems like it, it, it's getting easier. Talking to Jimmy Ward, I wonder at this point in your career, are you looking to prove people wrong or are you looking to prove people right? Um, I'm looking to prove myself right. Mm-hmm. What do you, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? Uh, just, you know, that uh, I belong here, you know, that, you know, this, um, I'm still competing. Not like, I know, uh, somebody gave me a spot. Like how I look at it when I come to OTA and I come to camp, I'm competing for a spot. And just like, I feel like everybody else. 
is on the team. Like, I feel like nothing is, you know, promised to you. You got to still got to come out here and you got to earn it. We are talking to Jimmy Ward. Jimmy, on the offensive side of the ball, the Texans, of course, use that second pick overall, and they take Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. How has he looked to you in OTAs, and then what kind of energy has he brought to the team? Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a ball player, I'll tell you that. Uh, he made some great throws. Uh, been been going at each other. Uh, well, he's been going at defense, defense. We made a few plays on, on the quarterbacks, and he made a, he made plays on us. So it's like how he's able to, you know, come and, and, and make these throws so confident. It's, just, it's crazy. It's amazing to me to see it. You know, see a guy so young to come and, and get some uh, – Get some reps versus the ones, and 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 make good, great throws. And he has a lot of power in his arm too. Uh, so you know that's been promising to see. You know that's really good to see and hear. Let me ask you this before you go: the NFL is always interesting in the sense that teams can go from good to bad or bad to good in just a single season. This is a Texans team that won three games last year. Does it feel though like a group that's going to surprise a lot of people around the league this year? Yes, I feel like uh, you know. I, I like, you know, being an underdog, you know, because, you know, it's not a lot of people, not a, a spec, not a lot of people expect us to do this and do that, man. That's cool. Like, keep counting us out, man. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, what Gino Smith said, I'm going to count, uh, we're going to count each other in. <laughs> <laughs> but they wrote me off, but I didn't write oh, back. That's what it is. They wrote me off and I wrote me in. That's what he said? <laughs> he said, they all wrote me off, but I, I ain't right back. Oh, gosh. I'm all, I'm all the way off. I was. <laughs> <laughs> that's it right there one more time Alvin play that what do you think about that guy that, isn't that amazing what do you think about that what's your reaction to that when you think about that guy that everybody wrote off and the way he bounced back the way he has uh, I don't it, it's, it's crazy man it just to me I feel like the lead is about getting opportunities it's about people believing in him and Pete Carroll ended up believing in him and he just proved himself right you know he didn't prove nobody wrong he proved himself right he proved that He's the first round draft pick quarterback that he can he's a gunslinger, he can sling the ball and he can take care of the ball and he can control the game and win games. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They wait for the opportunity and when you get your opportunity, you know, you gotta prove yourself right. You know what? One last thought on that. It seems to me also you, you wait for the opportunity and then you make the most of it. But in the meantime, when everybody's telling you that you suck and you know differently and you don't know whether or not you're going to get the opportunity or when it's going to happen, but you just keep working. That's the thing that impressed me the most about Gino. He never lost a faith in himself. He never listened to the noise. But most of all, he just kept working. He kept working and working. And then when the time came, it was no surprise to him, right? He had already done the work. Yep, he'd already done the work, so when, when he got his opportunity, you know, the rest rolled itself out. You know, he just stepped in and did his time. He's entering his 10th year in the NFL. He was a former first-round pick of the Niners back in 2014. Jimmy Ward is now a member of the Texans. Jimmy, it's great to have you back. Thanks so much. Thank you, too. U.S. Cellular is introducing us mode. You know, it's kind of like airplane mode, but for people. It's a way to set up your phone so it does not get in the way of people really being with each other. Block distractions. Make way for real connections. Give it a try. Visit U.S. Cellular in-store or online, and they'll help set up your phone to us mode. Free. Even if you're not a customer. Built for superior 5G connection and real human connection, U.S. Cellular. Built for us. Find out more at uscellular.com slash find us. We go to Richmond. Will. Good to have you, Will. How are you? Yeah, Ron. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? Yeah, actually, they call me the tow truck. They do. 
Yeah. Why? Because it takes the strength of a tow truck to drag my massive package around all day. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Let's try somebody else. Let's go to Ramona. Matthew. Hey, Matthew, what's up? How are you? Jim, how are you doing? Good, dude. How about you? I'm doing just fine, but... Hey, listen, and I, I, I know you don't take requests. And I, I, I would never besmirch, besmirch myself to do that. But the next time you do a hacksaw reset, could you please re- mention Ramona? And a lot of folks don't know it. It's just a little tiny town. But my daughters love when you do hacksaw resets. I mean, they, I mean, they will literally put themselves in, in stitches. When you do a hacksaw reset. So just please give us a shout out. I know we're just a little cowboy town out in the middle of nowhere, but if you could, man, you'd make my daughter's day. Let's try another phone call. It's not been our best phone call segment, but, you know, to quote my kid, I'm going to stay in the fight. Can't give up yet. Let's go to Art in Tennessee. What's going on, Art? How are you? Pretty good, Jim. How you doing, man? Great, dude. Great. Um, how does uh, United Federation of Professional Golfers sound to you? How do you mean? What I mean is why don't golfers get together and start their own organization instead of being pawns for these other rich, fat deaths? You know, uh, they're, they're strength in numbers. If the, they would just get together and start their own organization, don't be, let, let themselves be controlled by outsiders. They could have their strength in numbers. They could have one of the most powerful organizations in this country. Golf has that potential. They could they could bring in enough money to build their own golf courses, build their own small town, have entertainment. They could they could do things that would blow your mind if they would just get together and not be controlled by other organizations. You know, let's get rid of the Goodells and Don Kings and Jerry Jones. You know, they they could do amazing things if they would just get together. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Well, Trapper, what's your beef? Let's talk some hockey. Now, if you're not watching the Stanley Cup final, as always, that's a bad choice. That's a bad decision. It's always great. This Cup final, though, is spicy as hell. Chippy as bleep. Downright cantankerous out there. As an example, last night's game... Game two had 148 total penalty minutes between both teams. And if it sounds like that's a lot, it's because it's a hell of a lot. It's the most penalty minutes in a Stanley Cup final game since 1986. And the Panthers alone now have the most penalty minutes of any team through the first two games of any Cup final ever. And they've been playing for the Cup for over 100 years. It's been a bleep show. That's how chippy it is out there through the first two games. Unfortunately, that bleep show is not exactly working in Florida's favor because they're getting absolutely stomped so far. 
by the end of game two, they were looking at a 7-2 deficit and had only six guys left on their bench. Everybody else had gotten their asses run back to the locker room. It's almost like Florida completely ignored their head coach. Paul Maurice's comments after game one. In case you missed them, and apparently his own guys did miss them, let me run them back right now because that was some pretty good advice at that time. We lost the first game in the Boston series well and got a little better. Then we lost two more, got a little better. Everybody just f***ing breathe. <laughs> right? I feel like I feel like you people have been here. You're tight. to loosen you up a little bit. Let's say that about the entire audience of this program. Everybody just bleeping breathe. Everybody just Man, breathe. Man, can we just all just bleeping breathe? Everybody just like, breathe. Just bleeping breathe. Everybody just breathe. Through the nose, out through the mouth. Everybody just breathe. Everybody just bleeping breathe. Great advice, or it would have been if any of his guys listened to it. It still actually holds true. Remember, this is the same Florida team that came back from down 3-1 in the first round against the alleged best team ever. The same Florida team that it just ran off 11 wins in 12 games heading into this series. So they're not dead yet. Not dead yet, though history would suggest that if you're down 2-0, you're not dead, but you are plugged into a wall, and somebody is looking to come into the room and rip the cord. No, they're not dead yet. Not dead, can't quit. But they are getting hammered. But not dead, can't quit. That said... The series has been a disaster so far for the Panthers. It's not just because they're down two games to none and getting their asses kicked. It's how and why they're down two games to none. As an example, nobody saw Sergei Bobrovsky struggling enough to get yanked before the third period of game two. That's not what I expected from that guy. In fact, he was supposed to be one of the biggest reasons they had a legitimate look at ripping the Stanley Cup. He was supposed to be the backbone. He's one of their stars. He's one of the guys they need to show up huge. Except last night, he showed up like a sieve and got ripped, taken out of the game. I did not expect that at all. And then nobody, I think, saw Matthew Kachuk racking up the most combined penalty minutes ever through the first two games of the cup final. Look, I understand who this guy is. Unbelievable player. Incredible player. Very, very physical player. Very aggressive player. I get that. I understand that. I know who he is, and I know what his game is. And I know that's why he and they are where they are. So, I understand all that. Here's what else I understand. Well, I understand that he has been on the wrong side of some questionable calls. And we can get to that in a second. However, Chucky literally has more penalty minutes than time on ice so far in this series. And obviously, having your best offensive weapon and your most critical guy spend more time in the sin bin than on the actual ice is not exactly a winning formula. In fact, it's a losing formula. It's a formula for getting your ass kicked. Which brings us to the hit. The hit that everybody's talking about today. Chucky on Jack Eichel. Here's how arguably the two best players in the series 
crashing into one another sounded in real time. Fletcher stop! I think Barkov unable to get it through! him with the puck here. He's going to fall right into that hit. It's a good, solid, clean yeah. check from Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. So it looked bad. It looked bad. In fact, it looked really bad. But my guy Edzo and company nailed it live. It was a totally clean hit. Vicious, but clean. Violent, but clean. It's Chucky. That's what Chucky does, man. Chucky did nothing wrong there. Head on a bleeping swivel. You obviously cannot skate right through the middle of the ice, the center of the ice, with your head down, with Chucky on the ice at the same time, and not expect that to happen. Which is why I understand Panther fan getting all bent that somehow Chucky ends up with 12 penalty minutes as a result of that play. Kachuk makes a clean hit. Then Vegas retaliates. They've got to protect their star. Chucky defends himself, and somehow he gets a roughing penalty and a misconduct. 12 total penalty minutes for what was a totally clean hit. And don't take that from me, even though y'all seem to know what I would do. Always. Don't take it from me. Take it from the guy who got hit. Take it from Jack Eichel himself. He said the hit was clean. Yeah, you know, just get the puck on the right. Um, took a couple crossovers, uh, kind of toe-picked a little bit, and, uh, you know, saw him at the last minute. Um, he finishes a hard, you know, what I saw was a clean check on me, and it's a physical game. You're going to get hit sometimes, so um, you just just kind of move on, you know. So the guy who got laid out, the guy who got splattered, said, I've got no problem with it. It's clean. No controversy here. The dude who got smoked even said it was clean. Yet Chucky winds up out of the game for 12 minutes as a result of that play. Panther fans got to be like, Andrew Brandt, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Well, what are we doing here? The like, guy who got laid out said it was clean. What, what are we, we doing, doing here? Why are you taking our guy off the ice for 12 what more are minutes? Doing here? What are we doing here? Like, what I get are we it. doing? I get it, Panther fan. What are we doing? However, here? the second misconduct that Chucky took last night, a little different. You know, like the first one he took in the series. See, once you're picking up more than a 10-minute misconduct per game, something is off. You can argue about what happened after the Eichel hit, but what you can't really argue about is Chucky off the ice as much as he is. Like, you can't argue that that's his game, so that's a good thing for Florida. His game is not being off the ice more than it is being on the ice. All right, His game is being very physical and taking the game to the opponent. His game is not being off the ice more than it is being on the ice. And I'm not asking this guy to change who he is. I'm just asking that he stay on the ice. Because if he can't, the Panthers have no shot at getting back in this series. But it's off the rails as things have been for Florida. They've been just that smooth for Vegas. Vegas is feeling it right now. In fact, Vegas is even spiking the ball on Twitter right now. The Knights got another couple of goals from Jonathan Marcheseau last night, a.k.a. the same Jonathan Marcheseau who swiped or they swiped from the Panthers in the expansion draft 
a fact which Vegas reminded the world of yet again on Twitter during Game 2. At Golden Knights tweets, From the Florida Panthers, the Vegas Golden Knights select Jonathan Marcheseau. All caps. All caps. I mean, the series is so chippy. It's even chippy on social media in-game. The series is so chippy, it's even chippy for the reporters who are trying to cover it. Like that South Florida CBS reporter who busted out a Heisman stiff arm on some drunk clown trying to climb into her shot. A very loud crowd here at T-Mobile Arena. Obviously, Vegas fans enjoying the less than ideal night for the Panthers after falling to the Knights. Oh, no! No! Oh, I got a Right? Let's get into the highlights here. She had to fend off this drunk who tried to hijack her shot. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, pushed him right out of the shot. I mean, like a stiff arm right to the center of the earth. Some Derrick Henry stuff right there. It's not the kind of fan you want to be. That's a jackass. If you haven't seen the video of that, you have to check it out because that jackass got absolutely owned. Vegas fan, you're great fans, most of you. I know you're all hyped. You should be. I know the Panthers are all fired up too and trying to do anything they can to find a physical edge in that series. The cup finals are crazy. I get it. That's why I love them. That's why I'll never miss one. But can we all remember one thing, please? Can we all just remember to bleeping breathe, all right? Everybody just breathe. <laughs> Two nothing. Not dead, can't quit. Except Panther fan. Just know this. That was not just a matter of Vegas holding serve. You're getting worked. You're getting dominated. If your star goalie does not get right immediately, if in fact he is still your goalie and still your starter, I'm not even convinced of that. But if your star goalie does not get right immediately and your star winger cannot stay on the ice, this series is already over. Even if Vegas, quote, just held serve. Because that's not what they did. And if you look at history, history would indicate the teams that win the first two games at home in the Stanley Cup final almost never, ever lose the rest of the series. So you're in trouble. You're on, wait for it, thin ice. Hey, oh. If you're in the NFL, the one thing you really cannot do is bet on your own team from your own facility. Am I clear on that? If you play in the NFL, you cannot bet on your own team from your own facility. That is the one thing you cannot do. They're not saying you can't bet. You can. You can bet on other sports from somewhere outside the facility. But the one thing you absolutely positively cannot do is bet on your own team from your own workplace. I know what you're thinking. Rome, why are you wasting time talking about something that's stupid? Everybody knows that. To which I would respond, apparently everybody doesn't know that. Incredibly, 
there are still active NFL players who don't know that rule. There are still active NFL players who are not only betting on the NFL, they're betting on their own team, and they're doing it from their own facility. Guys like Colts corner Isaiah Rogers. Rogers is under NFL investigation right now for violating the league's gambling policy. Although I'm not sure how much more there is to actually investigate. He's essentially come out and admitted that he did do what has been reported, what was rumored. And what was rumored is what I just said. He didn't just place bets in the facility, which you cannot do, but he bet on football, which you cannot do, and he bet on his own team. Doink, doink, doink. That's three for him. Now, I would love to tell you that, man, you know what? It's really not this dude's fault. Somehow you got to blame the league for this. Or somehow you got to blame the team for this. Or somehow it's, it's not his fault because the rules are so stupid. Or he's getting a raw deal here. He's getting jammed. But he's not. He just broke the most obvious rule ever. He bet on his own team in his own facility as an active player. And he's not even pushing back. Here's his statement from last night, and I quote, Addressing the current reports, I want to take full responsibility for my actions. I know I have made mistakes, and I am willing to do whatever it takes to repair the situation. The last thing I ever wanted to do was to be a distraction to the Colts organization, my coaches, and my teammates. I've let people down that I care about. I made an error in judgment, and I'm sure going to work hard to make sure that those mistakes are rectified through this process. It's an honor to play in the NFL, and I have never taken that lightly. I am very sorry for all of this. End of quote. As statements go, that's good, I guess. That's not one of those, I'm sorry if I offended anybody, or I'm sorry that I find myself in this situation. He sounds genuinely contrite. He sounds genuinely sorry. So as statements go, I guess that's pretty good. Credit for a good statement, I guess. But here's what a good statement is worth. Nothing. Nothing. Less than nothing. Here's what Isaiah Rogers' contract was set to be worth next year. 2.7 mil. Good statement, worth nothing. Try and jam a good statement into an ATM machine. Try to withdraw a good statement from a bank and then turn that into currency. On the other side, he, try to buy a car with a, quote, good statement. Try to buy a phone with a good statement. You know what? You could buy a good car and a good phone with 2.7 mil, which is what he was set to make. That's what he was supposed to collect. That's not what he's going to end up collecting. In fact, if you look at precedent, if you look at Calvin Ridley, the fact that he apparently bet not only on the NFL, but on his own team, and not only on his own team, but from his own facility, this dude's going to be lucky to even see a cent this year. And, I mean, to make it even worse... Reportedly, he was making $25 to $50 bets every time he made one of those bets. 
and a couple of three-figure bets. This dude's throwing down bets and trying to get down and get action at 25 and 50 a throw. And he was going to risk that for 2.7 mil and maybe even more if he bet his entire career. I don't know. Time will tell. It would look like he's going to lose a year, right? You know, some of the Lions that lost six games were not betting on the NFL, but were betting from the facility. This guy could lose an entire year. I'd be surprised if he didn't. That's got to be one of the stupidest bets ever. Even if he won every one of those bets. I always say you bet which you can afford to lose. Notice I'm not saying don't bet. I bet. I bet. I'd be a hypocrite if I said you don't bet. Oh, I bet. I do bet. But you know why? Not because I can, but because I'm allowed to. There's no policy that says, hey, Rome, you're not allowed to bet from the CBS Sports Network studio where you do your show. I am allowed to bet. I do. I own it. Hell, just on the smack off. I don't bet on that. I always say, though, bet. Go ahead and bet. Have fun. But do not gamble what you can't afford to lose. That's not this. That is not this. Because essentially, he bet an entire season of his career. And maybe the rest of his career. Every time he made one of those stupid little bets. I mean, I like action as much as the next guy. But not, I wouldn't put my annual salary up against it. Like, I'm thinking about game three of the NBA Finals. But if somebody were to say to me, hey, Rome, here's the thing. You can't bet the NBA Finals. You can't bet game three. Or you're looking at a year-long suspension. Hey, man, I know how hard I have to work to make this money. I'm not betting game three. If I know that's the rule. And if you could say to me, well, maybe he didn't know the rule. That's as stupid as the bet itself. You didn't know the rule. How could you not know the rule? How could you not think to yourself, I'm a member of the Colts. Is it okay if I bet on the Colts? And can I get down from my computer at work? Even if you didn't know, and I don't accept that he didn't know, you'd have to be the dumbest guy ever not to know. Even if he didn't know, it would be the easiest thing ever to find out. You could find out in three seconds. You could ask anybody you know, anybody who works there. You could ask your agent. You could ask a teammate. You could ask a coach. You could go online. So ignorance is not an excuse because the harsh truth is this. If you're an Indianapolis Colt who does not understand that as an Indianapolis Colt, you cannot bet on the Indianapolis Colts, then you might be too dumb to be an Indianapolis Colt. And I would say that about any pro athlete at this point. And, and again, God, do not come in here and talk about the hypocrisy of the NFL taking all that gambling money. I know this. I get it. I understand it. They're greedy. Money, again. It's all about the money, again. But there are rules. There are rules. Learn the rules. They're really obvious rules. These are not hard rules. My God, if you can read an NFL playbook, you can understand these rules. If you can play in an NFL scheme and learn all the plays, 
You can learn these rules in three seconds flat. Why not bring your phone with you into the game, bring your phone onto the field, and then in the huddle make in-game bets? Yeah, well, yeah, but Rome, is it okay if I do it on the road? I'm confused, Rome. You're saying I can't bet on the NFL, and I can't bet on my own team, and I can't do it in the facility. However, if I play for the Colts and we play the Titans, can I bring my phone on the field and in-game, because I have a good feel for things in-game, can I get down in the huddle? The answer is still no. Why? 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 I'm not, I'm not in the facility. And by the way, I really feel strongly about the Anthony Richardson over rushing. I see what's going on here. The answer is still no. So the league's got no choice. They've got to bring the LT hammer down every single time an incident like this comes up. Obviously. And don't say to me, yeah, Rome, but the league makes so much money off gambling. I know. I know this. We all know this. That's why they need these rules. Because they're trying to protect their business. They want it both ways. They want to have a viable product, and they want more money than God. (laughs) And one way to get it is also through gambling. However, if the product is no longer viable and the public thinks the games are fixed because the players are in and they're throwing it to win their bets, then the product is no longer viable and the whole thing falls apart. And then all the gambling revenue and all the other revenue goes away too because then the NFL is no better than the WWE because it's scripted. Right, Rome? Like the smack off. Oh, my God. It's like I already hear you as I finish my thoughts. No, this is not hard. If you play in the, make your choice. Play in the NFL or gamble on the NFL. You cannot do both. If you're a legendary gambler and you can make more money gambling on the NFL than playing in the NFL, by all means, quit the NFL and be a professional gambler. I'm guessing that's not the case for this dude or he wouldn't have been gambling 25 to 50 bucks at a time. How are a series of 25 to $50 bets worth a year of playing time and 2.7 million bucks? Again, I'm doing the math. It doesn't work for me. So he's going to get the book thrown at him. Just like Calvin Ridley did before him. And he's going to deserve it. I wonder what my guy Jim Ursay is thinking about this. I know the man loves any and all attention on his team. He can't love this. In fact, I think I know what he's thinking about this. He's thinking about exactly what he's going to say to Isaiah Rogers. Hello. Hello. Is there anybody in there? That's what he's thinking about saying to Isaiah. Isaiah, is there anybody home? Hello, hello, hello. You play in the NFL. Is there anybody in there? You can't be this stupid. $25 a game. Hello, hello. I don't care what the odds were. 
Oh, and a clone favorite. He didn't bet us to lose. Don't tell me what the hook was. I don't care about that half point. Good night, Nine.